friends of Funny Minds. I'm Lynn B. This is Edward Biss. Hello. How are you? I'm fine, but it just occurred to me I'm in the middle of getting implants. So I ought to put my teeth in. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> He's really a vampire. <laughs> there we go. Let me get rid of that. Okay. World of food. It's very, very important to have some teeth. Well, you know, it's it's actually. We went to a wedding a couple of weeks ago, and we're at the reception. And I'm thinking, should I take my teeth out to eat, or should I just move the food around my plate? So <laughs> I have to well, ask you, since you're doing that, how was this whole process? Because when I go back to Jersey, I have to, I have to get it started. Is it? Yeah, it's it's, it's a huge, expensive pain in the ass. It's ten thousand dollars. It's $10,000 before your dentist makes the actual implants. I mean, um, and it takes eight months. And uh, and I had a great surgeon. I mean, the guy was fine, and we talked about food and all that. But it is a huge pain, um, to put it mildly. Yeah. Well, um, you want to enjoy your food. Well, yeah, but I mean, there are milkshakes. Oh, God. Don't, even, <laughs> don't say no shit unless you have <laughs> What the hell are those mics? They look dangerous. Oh, these are pod podcaster are, mice. Uh, oh, so they, they're they feed, they're they feed a digitized mice. signal. They're everyone, road. <laughs> I don't use road, but everyone uses road. Um, do you <laughs> so use who the, is our guest today, Eddie? We're going to welcome Mr. David Page to our show. Thank you, David, for joining us. This Hey. Um, thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. David, uh, for our listeners, um, you're everything in the world of food, but more notably, uh, creator of the hit TV show on the Food TV Network, uh, Diners, Drive-Ins and Dives with Guy Fieri. And uh, you also are a food critic, writer, author, uh, everything that encompasses food. Welcome. Yes. Thanks for having me. <laughs> and... Uh, you know, obviously, uh, that, that was a huge success, you know, for you, Triple D. I don't know mm -hmm. how much of that you want to discuss. Um, All of it, any of it, none okay. of it. It's okay. up to you guys. I wanted to leave that up to you. Yes. That, uh, for me, I, I that massive. Journalistically, I I'm a First Amendment absolutist. You can go any place you want. Perfect. <laughs> okay. <That's> <laughs> But that was a that was a huge show. That, you know what a lot of folks don't realize is that food TV, in one way, shape, or form, has been around for quite some time. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, back in the day, Julia Childs and the uh, oh, I like the galloping uh, galloping, galloping gourmet. gourmet. I loved him, loved him. And uh, and as time went on, and, and you know, uh, other celebrity chefs came along, like Bobby Flay's. I remember his grilling and chilling show. Do you remember that one? I don't. I don't. But I do remember at the beginning of the Food Network when they were so starved for content that they actually had something from Morley Safer. I don't know what it was. Uh, Morley was not dumping and stirring, but th they had that. They also, um, who else did they have? They, they they were scraping the barrel at the very beginning. <laughs> and uh, I mean, Morley uh, was a great journalist, but... Uh, yeah. They, they, any name they could get to to put on the air, they they went with. How did you, uh, how did you get into that? Were, were you already working with networks? In well, I, to food I had been a, 
I'd been a network producer for I don't know three thousand four thousand years, and I left the network. Pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I, I, not bad. The, the the cars where you have to use your feet. The the braking was tough, but um, I uh, was uh, line producing Good Morning America, which basically it means every third week, subject to the executive producer, the show is yours, and. I was starting to see changes in network news that I didn't like, not bias, not just um, in story selection to entice the audience. And uh, the EP of the show came up to me one afternoon and said, there's going to be a million dollar winner broadcast on the millionaire tonight. He's booked in your first half hour for tomorrow. And the first half hour was supposed to be news. That's the moment I realized I needed to leave. So I left and I went through a brief and idiotic phase working for a home shopping channel. I uh, set up my own production. Okay. Guys. Uh, I, wanted, I wanted to be an executive at a publicly traded corporation and then realized, no, I don't. Uh, so I opened up my own production company and proceeded to starve. And uh, no one was buying anything from me. So I called my old friend, Al Roker, who has had and has a production oh. company, but also... Al had been on the weekend Today show when I co-produced that, and we became friends. So I called him up. I said, "Hey, I'm I'm starving out here. You got any work?" And he said, "Why don't I subcontract to you some of the stuff I'm doing for the Food Network?" And that's how I was introduced to the Food Network. Uh, after a while, um, and Al agreed it became clear I wasn't going to buy a Bentley off being a subcontractor. So I started pitching the network directly. Still don't have that Bentley, by the way. Um, <laughs> and because I'd been doing stuff for them through Al, they knew who I was. And there was one executive who would kindly take my pitches and never say yes. I mean, I'd call and run down a bunch of stuff and she'd say, no, thank you. Finally, one day I'm on the phone with her. I had done for them a documentary on diners through Al's production company. And I'm on the phone, I'm pitching, I'm pitching. She's saying no, she's saying no. Finally, I think she takes pity on me. She says, do you have anything else about diners? And I said, oh, absolutely. I've, I'm working on this. Uh, I'm developing a show called Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives. And I, I proceeded to tell her all about it. And she said, for the first time since I'd been pitching her, she said, that's sounds good um get us a, a write-up for a one-hour special on monday we have a development meeting on tuesday and i got off the phone you know feeling good because she'd said yes but feeling uh, somewhat stressed because i didn't have a show called diners drivers <laughs> i had pulled the name out of thin air and then i bs'd my way through a description that happened late on either a Thursday or a Friday, you know, like six in the evening. I spent the weekend calling around, and by Monday, I had written up a show proposal, and uh, they bought a special, and then that turned into a series. Wow. Now, did you have Guy factored in there previously, or did that? I didn't know who the hell Guy was uh, when they said they'd take a special. I said, great, should we discuss a possible host? And they said, no, we, we want you to use Guy Fieri. Oh, and, so they already had him in mind. Yeah, see, here's what had happened. He had won their Food Network Star Contest. Yes. Back when they still thought naively that contest was going to generate their next round of stars. In fact, 
guy's the only one who's ever gone on to anything that mattered after the the contest but they were looking to make him a star and they were looking for a primetime vehicle for him they weren't looking to me for that they had asked a couple of major production companies to pitch a series and in the meantime they figured what the heck uh, if this kid wants to wants to do uh, a, sh- a special with him it'll we'll we'll keep him on the air so fine we did that they then got their pitches from the big boy production companies. They didn't like them. And they they had nothing for guys. So they took a chance on me. Remember, I'm like, I am my production company at that point. Um in my basement. And so that's they, right. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> they bought a short series, um, not expecting big things at all. After the second or third episode, when it was clear this was a hit, they tried to tamp down my enthusiasm by telling me that, look, this is all exciting, but we don't really think this show has more than a couple of seasons in it because, hey, there just aren't that many restaurants. Um, now, I I left after the 11th season, and they're now in season 40-something, so yeah. I guess there were enough restaurants. Uh, yes. <laughs> think about this whole united states there's plenty of them yeah yeah well look screenwriter william goldman before he passed away wrote a brilliant book well he wrote several brilliant books but his first book was called adventures in the screen trade about his years in hollywood and goldman's rule as um explained in the book with respect to why projects work why they don't work why they get picked up why they don't get picked up his goldman's rule is simply no one knows anything okay so no one absolutely nobody knows anything about the industry when you when you look programming executives will tell you this is going to work for this reason or this work it's all a crap shoot tv is (laughs) tv is about connecting with the audience um, in a way that makes them happy, and that's so on an individual. You're going to throw it, the proverbial poop against the wall and see what happens. Pretty much, um, but you need you need cleanable wallpaper. <laughs> well, I think it, it, I think that it, you know it's kind of like that with a lot of industries. You get these big wigs who wind up in a position of authority. And- they feel it's it's because they know everything about everything. <laughs> when you know, yeah, it's really not true. We know. Hey, um, nothing wrong with failing up or being true. lucky. True, That's very true. true. Very so, true. So, so you're the mastermind of the food industry and what's going on in, with food and. Well, that is a vast overstatement, but I will gladly take it. I will gladly. I'm very happy to give it. But, you know, I mean, there's there's so many. Every day there's a new diet. There, there's a new way of losing weight. There's a new way of toning up. There's a new, you know, like, what is your feeling on all of this? Like, what do well, you... Well, uh, there, there are two important things that recently, and I have a weight problem, so I speak to it as someone with skin in the game. A recent report uh, study that found, uh, if I'm recalling this correctly, that the impact of um, genetic 
predisposition to being heavy uh, is far more important than people realize. Uh, and number two, I'm, I don't know what I think about the recent um, recommendation by, I don't know if it was JAMA or it was a, a large medical group recommending much more stringent concentration on childhood obesity. Uh, up to and including the use of drugs and or bari bariatric surgery for, oh, um, for a child? patients, wow. patients okay. as young as 13. Uh, I mean, look, we have a, a massive obesity epidemic in the country. Mm -hmm. To a great extent, I guess it's because we eat so poorly, although defined poorly. I mean, is it having an overly large portion of a healthy food like roast chicken, or is it eating hamburgers, even if you calorie count your McDonald's? I mean, it's a highly confusing subject area. Um, I think one of the interesting factors that comes to mind now and then is the, the myth that exercise is a major contributor to weight loss. Uh, scientists report that, in fact, exercise can increase the amount you eat, partially because you've burned calories and your body wants them, and partially because once you feel virtuous, what the hell, let's have that piece of cheesecake. Um, you know, there, it's not, yeah, a cheat year. It's not just, um, well, let me put it this way. Beyond obesity, as someone who is very interested in how we eat, why we eat, I like to eat, um, I, I'm fascinated by uh, the way we eat just in terms of eating should be, in my view, more than fuel. It, it should be enjoyable. And I, I'm distressed by the degree to which Americans don't seem to want to cook anymore. Even though it's pretty damn simple, I mean, uh, someone will sit on the couch, watch six hours of Food Network television, and then put in something in the microwave. Uh, there's this huge industry sending pre-portioned packets of pepper to people's houses with ingredients when, when cooking should be much more basic and much more simple. I mean, it takes 20 minutes to make a roast chicken. Uh, in terms right. of prep, and then you stick it in the oven and you walk away and come back. I I wish more people would take the time to make real meals that would make them and their families um, happy. Yeah, I mean, for for not only that reason, but bring your family together, uh, which you lose a lot of these days. Well, that's, that's a tough job these days. And when they are together, yeah. you, it's a tough job to keep people off the phone. But... Um, <laughs> yeah. You, you know, they you can call parents, each other. You got two parents working and so much going on, and it's very hard to have that family um, dinner. I We had it. We always had it, but um, our but there's there's so. There's so many ways. You're working all week? Great. On Sunday, while you're watching football, take some uh, short ribs, throw them in a pot yeah. with some potatoes, onions, carrots, yeah. and crushed tomatoes. Put the, the heat down as low as you can and go away for three hours. I mean, mm -hmm. it's not that hard. You know, you're absolutely right. 
I mean, it, it's there's a, there's a simplicity to it. Um, I think there's so much on the food network these days, it's an overdose. And you could really get wrapped up in the, the Uber chef approaches and you know how, how deep they get into and how they overanalyze everything and the beauty and the this and the that. And the well, the, and make, making the chef such a big star, frankly, doesn't help cooking. <laughs> Um, yeah. it's, it's generated a tremendous amount of interest in people who want to be celebrity chefs. They're not cooking because they have a deep need to do so or what real great chefs have a, mm -hmm. a sense of um, making people feel good. They want to be TV stars. It's no different TV news these days i mean sure you've got a whole generation of kids who just want to be on tv the, the yeah. journalism was not the first thing that motivated them in the crib but um yeah you know the, in fact the closing of noma the the restaurant in copenhagen that has frequently been called the the best in the world has opened up a whole discussion among uh food lovers about the absurdity of what high-end fine dining has become. Um, I mean, I've always, I've never been an advocate of the tasting menu. It ain't a meal. Um, when I want a meal, I, I want, you know, three, maybe four courses of food in a volume that's uh, <laughs> satisfying. I don't want a litany. And and look, I've had some terrific tasting menus. That's it's great. Um, uh, as a as a one off, as, as an occasional weird thing to do, that's great. But if I had the money, I still couldn't see myself becoming a regular at a place like Olenia because it's an art show. It's a performance. Yeah, right. it's, it's not a meal. So and by the way, I, I was treated to a meal at Olenia when we were considering doing a show with the chef there, Grant Ackett's, and he's a genius, and it was an extraordinary event, um, and each of the little, well, most of the little tasting things were good, although he did something interesting in the middle. He, he in the middle of his bizarre compositions, he came out with a plate of beef done in the style of Escoffier, kind of like Picasso saying, I could do portraits before I decided everyone should have both eyes on the, the same side of their nose. <laughs> so, so it's the presentation. They're into the presentation. It's just, um, give me a meal. <laughs> That's all. Yeah. I see, you know, I, I was always a big fan of, uh, Gordon Ramsay, he, obviously because he was entertained. Oh, of course he was. <laughs> but there was always times where he would step away and he would truly show these kids how to execute something very simple. And, yes. But and that's under what I enjoyed the most because I could identify with it because I could do it. Well, the, look, the, the old saw in the industry is the two tests of a chef are an omelet and roast chicken. Yeah. Uh, I need to say Gordon Ramsay is possibly the worst thing to ever happen to the restaurant industry. All this <laughs> well, no, but it's on the one hand, it's funny when you see it on the show. On the other hand, yeah, this is an industry that is beset 
by abuse, mental health issues, sexual harassment. There is no reason or back of the house life in the restaurant industry to be as, pardon me, shitty as it is. The higher up you go in terms of the more expensive the restaurant, um, circumstances can get worse. Um, they, uh, many restaurants exploit people. Many high-end restaurants exist mm-hmm. on the backs of unpaid intern-like help known as stages. Um, this is not a good thing. I, I saw, uh, I was reading online that, uh, what's his name? Mario Batali is, invest- oh, yeah. he's investing in restaurants again. So I guess he's done oh, his really? penance. Apparently he's done his penance for being an ass. And now he gets. I just, I just watched that uh, story about him the other day. Yeah, I mean, it's look. The back of the house in the restaurant industry is a crisis. It's 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 um, it's horrible in, in many. I think ways. Gordon. I, I think Gordon was a lot of it was putting on a show. Oh, of course, uh, he was putting on a show, but that's the inspiration for how we. Hey, come on, yeah. don't yell at people. That's just yeah. yeah. You know the myth. It's so degrading. Yeah, the mythologizing that goes on around, yes, chef, come on. (laughs) Yes, master. Yes, master. Whatever you say. I like I, well, I spent my life, you know, raising kids. So we had a meal every night and something I made because I, my position was I was able to be there, be home to make that meal ahead of time. Mm -hmm. Um, now I'm a single person, I'm all by myself. And I find that, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll make something, I'll do a couple of stuffed peppers. So I'll have it twice during the week or something like that. But for the most part, I just don't feel like cooking for myself a lot of times for one person. You spent, you spent decades with it as a job. Yeah. And look, food is something that uh, as much as anything else is a shared experience with other people. It's tough to cook for one. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm very happy when, you know, I said they should make meals for one, but real meals that not this processed nonsense that, because that's not what I want to eat. I don't want processed food. Well, what, you what's, know? what's your favorite dish? Oh, um, corned beef and cabbage. I'm, I'm, I'm Irish all the way. So, you know, corned beef, cabbage, potatoes, you know, that's, Ah, and I, you know, Uh, see, and every ethnicity is so close. I'm Jewish. I want pastrami. Okay, (laughs) which is a different form of corned beef, but yeah, of course, deli rye. (laughs) Damn straight. (laughs) Yeah, that I that have to have to say that's my favorite dish. I'm not a big beef eater. Um. Mm. Very rarely will I go order a steak anywhere or something. You know, it's chicken or. Well, if you can order a steak, you got to get a mortgage. (laughs) Right. (laughs) You know, salads and I'll just put a whole lot of things in my salads, you know, a lot of things um, to make me happy. And and I'm a soup person. I love making, you know, a good healthy soup with a lot of vegetables and stuff in it. I love it. You You know, know, people are either soup people or they're not. I'm not. I am. Uh, My wife is. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's fascinating. She, she can make a meal out of soup and I think Mm -hmm. it's not, it's liquid. It's, I might as well just, you know, have a drink. Or I can, I can have breakfast for dinner. It's, it's not. No, no, breakfast for dinner is good. 
Oh right. yeah, I'll, it's delicious. I'll make a frittata for dinner um, with whatever I have in the refrigerator, but usually some kind of sausage or bacon and all these vegetables. And the key to me in a frittata is potatoes. You uh, got to it, It's similar to I not as good potatoes. as, yes. but similar to what the Spaniards call a tortilla, which is that omelet mm-hmm. they make. Yes. Full of potatoes. Yes. Um, that something about that just does it. The ironic thing is, she's a better cook now than she was when, when I was a kid. Oh, he's so <laughs> full of gold. <laughs> oh, the, the pressure's off. See, my, my mother was the world's worst cook. I used to say, people would ask, you know, she, well, growing up, I said, no, when it comes to cooking, my mother was a great accountant. <laughs> there you go. I always love the uh the Eddie Murphy uh skit he did about the welfare burger when his mom oh kids get McDonald's. And his, no. his mom his mom would say, You're not having McDonald's, I'll make you a better burger than McDonald's. Go get the chopped meat and the onion and the pepper. <laughs> and it would well, but, the grease. You know what's interesting? Um the the version of burgers made um, specifically in a way because of poverty is extensive throughout the United States. The Arizona onion, uh, Arizona, uh, Oklahoma onion burger, for example, mm-hmm. which came out of the Dust Bowl days, where the meat is extended by making the burger half out of onions. There are similar burgers with other fillers in other parts of the country. Um, you know, it ain't like Hamburger Helper invented the idea of stretching a burger. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, an awful lot. Never made that. <laughs> an awful lot of regional specialties came out of specific poverty. I would never like, um, like if, if we had a barbecue. I would never buy those frozen burgers. I call them hockey pucks. I would, I would make, I would get the meat and make my own burgers to go on because I said, no, I'm not buying those hockey pucks. I don't know what's in them. I well, beyond beyond that, first of all, most of them are a combination of meat from all over the place, uh, including other countries. Uh, but beyond that, when I go to the supermarket, um, I make sure to check with the butcher which of the chopped meat was ground by them. Yes. Because the chance yes. of that being contaminated with E. coli is much lower because yes. they're at least handling cuts of meat that I assume are clean. Uh, that's all I'll buy. Or I'll go to my butcher. I mean, I have a butcher and he's great. Mm-hmm. But uh, if I'm in the supermarket, I always ask. Well, growing up, you know, with having four children, I had a stand-up freezer. We would go to the butcher and get, like, you know, uh, a, a whole cow cut up, wrapped, labeled, da whatever. You know, same with the pig. And so you knew where this was coming from, and you knew who was taking care of it, and you knew the meat was, you know, was good. But so, having a butcher is such an important thing in my view a guy or woman to whom you can say i want to do something with a cheap cut so i assume i'm brazing what do you recommend and how mm-hmm. should i do it mm-hmm. um to whom a guy you can ask questions of when we yes. lived in uh 
in northern New Jersey. Kind oh, you live of, in northern New Jersey? No, I live in southern Jersey now, but we used to live in Glen Ridge. Oh, uh, okay. Glen Ridge, Bloomfield Avenue takes you from Glen Ridge to Newark. Yes. And it pretty much yes. lo- looks like uh, some scenes from The Sopranos. And yeah. I had an old line Italian butcher shop oh, on yeah. Bloomfield mm-hmm. Avenue. And like, I called the guy one day, I said, I don't want to make a rack of lamb. You got it? You see, I got it. So I go there. I say, I called about, the, he said, all right, okay. He goes into the walk and he comes out with a lamb carcass mm-hmm. and starts whacking away. Yeah. Now that's, that's how I, I want. That's I've got a butcher now. I got a yeah. butcher now in South Jersey who um, dry ages his own beef. Oh, it's fantastic. That's incredible. Just fantastic. That's incredible. When you find a good butcher, I mean, it's, oh, it's yeah. Well, we grew up in uh, Burton County, New Jersey, right now, mm-hmm. yeah. so we weren't that far. But I spent uh, some years in the city and also in Brooklyn. And I, at one point, I lived in Bensonhurst, Brooklyn, which mm-hmm. is like a place trapped in time. And my God, I could, I could just go to 18th Ave and walk in any one of those shops. Right. Butcher shops or the meat and cheese shops. It was dinner. They, you oh, you find, a, you find a good cheese shop? Ooh. Oh, yeah. You have a, a place... Um, we just moved off the island to the mainland, but we lived on Long Beach Island forever. And okay. I love a, LBI. <laughs> it's I, I love being um on the mainland now on the bay looking at LBI. Okay. Um, but <laughs> there is a cheese shop in Beach Haven that's extraordinary. And, and I found out from the owner the reason is it's a little satellite operation of a New York cheese store. I think it's called okay. Fourchette. Yeah, Fourchette. I'm giving them an ad. And oh, they wow. have... Wow. They just have some extraordinary, extraordinary stuff. And, you know, it, it's a shame. People don't understand what good versions of so much of what they eat taste like. You know, Not cheese wrapped in plastic... Uh, sold to you by yeah, no. Sorrento. Sorry, Sorrento. <laughs> <laughs> go try. Go try the real thing. Yes. Um. And, and by the way, you don't have to go to a specialty shop. I got a shop right out here in Manahawken that, that yeah, has exactly. a great cheese buyer, and exactly. um, they they carry Gran Padano, which is my favorite for like cacio e pepe, and mm-hmm. it's a very hard cheese to find. They have it regularly. I mean, it, you you can find. You got to look. You you got to give yeah. a damn. You got to care. Same so, thing with the breads. Oh, so. yeah, bread bread. I, you know, it's funny. You forget too. I was making. I make a pretty damn good Philadelphia roast pork sandwich. You know, with the oh, with the broccoli rob, with the broccoli rob yes. and oh. the um, <laughs> and the prove, and um. I made it the other day, and I had picked up fresh bread that day. I often make it with bread that I've had in the freezer. Mm-hmm. And I reminded myself what a damn difference there is if you just have that day's bread, yes. especially in South Jersey, where the bread's good. We, you know, well, yeah, you go down south and forget it. You get it. It's horrible. Mm. Horrible. They, they don't when have I make a, I, I take a whole pork tenderloin. Mm hmm. Salt, pepper, oregano, a little stock in the pan so it doesn't dry out. Mm-hmm. And I do that baby at 425. Do you, do you and sear then, it before you 
before you roast No, I'm not. I don't buy the searing thing. The scientific evidence says that searing looks good, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't lock in juices. It doesn't. You get the Maillard reaction. That's fine. In fact, on beef, I've gone the other way these days. I've, I've become a firm advocate of the reverse sear. You familiar with that? Yeah, yeah. Okay, because here's what happens. When you sear meat, when you throw it in a pan, the two sides that hit the hot pan, they overcook. You get that gray ring Mm -hmm. side. There's no way that's going to be medium rare. Then you have a section inside that if you're lucky, you get to medium rare. If you reverse sear, similar to sous vide, yeah. You cook it at a very low temperature, it cooks evenly, the whole thing is pink. Then if you want the feel of a sear, you take it out, you throw it in a super hot pan, one side, flip it, but you sear uh, it again. Okay. Exactly. Okay. I've completely gone to the reverse sear. Sous vide has uh, kind of changed the game quite a bit. Well, it's... it's it, used. Any, first of all, the problem with sous vide is a pain in the ass. I don't know. That's, <laughs> that's why I don't do reverse sear. But the scientific concept of bringing your food to a specific temperature and no more, unlike in an oven where the heat continues, yeah, is brilliant. I actually, uh, we were doing, I did a show called uh, Beer Geeks, which was about craft beer and it mixed mm-hmm. beer and food. I saw a guy sous-veeing in a food truck. Wow. Sous-veeing in beer. <laughs> It was fantastic. Just <laughs> fantastic. The reverse sear. Wow, I got to try that. But I did. You know, it's funny. You just made that. I just made that like a, a week and a half ago. Did you? Yeah. Oh, my son is a very good cook. I love it. Very, love very it. good cook. I've, I've been more and more uh, playing with cheap cuts, mm-hmm. um, going going back to braising and, and, and other methods of... Um, not having to spend $21 a pound on something. Right. Yes. Right. Uh, yes. I've been doing a lot of short ribs. I've been doing um, a lot of uh, steak salads made out of a low and slow cooked cheap cut. Yeah. Okay. Tenderize the meat. That's interesting. Get it where you want. And then throw it into a salad with some fresh, some good blue cheese. Mm. <laughs> But not those damn, so not the damn crumbles. You see them on the shelf in the supermarket, crumbles. They're like made of petroleum. Uh, we're just, you know what I had once that, I, that blew me away, and it's obviously just the stupidest, simplest thing ever, was a blue cheese coleslaw. That goes Excellent. very well with barbecue. Excellent. I had it with uh, Danish baby back ribs, bourbon baked beans, and a blue cheese coleslaw. Fantastic. I'm coming to your place. You have to. <laughs> I'm, I'll be right over. Well, how do you do baby backs? Uh, well, I got it at a restaurant, but if I huh. was to do them, you know, I, I, I don't really. They don't go right to the grill or anything like that. I, I just season them and I wrap them and, and slow cook them. And you know they, what? This is so bizarre. I'll, I'll play around. If I'm not at real low heat, I'm at real high heat. Mm-hmm. I was motivated by um, the rendezvous in Memphis, which people will say, I'm not sure they're right, but people will say, have the best ribs in Memphis. Mm, and okay. unlike, unlike 
the the traditional way of barbecuing in the world of barbecue, which is low and slow. Yes. They put those on high direct heat. Mm-hmm. And I've been playing around at home with ribs in the oven at 500. And I got news for you. It's great. Uh, wrapped or unwrapped? Unwrapped. Unwrapped. Okay. Unbelievable. Yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to steam them. I'm not a fan of wrapping. Mm-hmm. Um, you just salt and pepper them, throw them in there at 500, take them out before they dry out. It is the easiest meal at home. Oh, God. Yeah. Really and, good. They're, and they're really tender? They're fantastic. Really? Well, I look, love it's, ribs. it's a very fatty cut. You just see people overcook pork. The USDA now says pork uh, is safe to eat at a much lower temperature than chicken. It's it's closer to mm-hmm. beef because trichinosis, I guess, has gone away. But you can take pork out at 145 and be happy. You know, you got to mm-hmm. take chicken at 165. So you don't have to overcook ribs. That's that's a big fallacy. Huh. Yeah, I will now get sued by someone who gets trichinosis, but <laughs> <laughs> luckily I married my lawyer. You know. <laughs> Fall off the bone. That that's always the big phrase that they want to hear. Fall off the bone, but really, you just want a good a good bite out of it. Yeah, it shouldn't fall. I got to tell you, I I spent time at the um, Memphis and May barbecue competition mm-hmm. for my book, and people are adamant. The judges are adamant. Ribs should not fall off the bone. They mm-hmm. they should be tender. They should be moist. But you want a little pull. You want a little you want uh, pull. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Tell us about your book. You talked. You just talked yes. about your book. Oh, I, I, uh, my book is called Food Americana. Um, go to Amazon and buy it because I just finished paying for my daughter to go to grad school. Um, <laughs> and buy thirty or forty copies of it. Um, <laughs> the premise, the question, the book asks and hopefully answers is, what is American cuisine? We think we know what French food is. We think we know what Italian food is, Chinese. And by the way, we're wrong in all of those instances because most cuisines are regional, not national. But anyway, um, what is American cuisine? And I came to the researched conclusion that much like the stereotypical uh, statement that America is a melting pot, our food is. We've created a cuisine out of foods of other countries and cultures that were brought here that then evolved and and modified and changed to the point where they are no longer, in many cases, what's eaten in the country of origin, which doesn't make them bad or inauthentic. It makes them part of a cuisine of our own. Uh, made up of of elements like Chinese American, Mexican American, right, um, sushi right. done the way we do sushi, uh, and I uh, a pizza for example, and I was very uh, very careful in trying to determine what are the cuisines, the elements of our cuisine that are available and that people think about every day as a real possibility which is why I include sushi in American cuisine. I don't include Thai food. I don't no, include. Don't. These are not everyday go-tos for everyone okay. everywhere. Sushi. Well, you can get sushi at a gas station. In, <laughs> uh, but you don't understand sushi. It doesn't have to I have fat. I could live on it. Sushi is only about the vinegared rice. 
You can have sushi with no fish at all. You can have sushi with no protein at all. Um, and you're making that face, but you're wrong. Um, I know. She, she, I know. I know. That's okay. That's all right. I feel your pain, dude. It's all right. Okay. And, and by the way, I'm not a huge sushi fan, not to the extent my wife or daughter are, but it, it can be good. Um, you know, it, I'm not, it's better if you find the right place that works for you. Well, of course, yeah. but uh, you, you can find the right place anywhere. Um, sushi oh, is now, yeah, it's high quality a, sushi is now available all across the country. I think there's more. Oh, yeah. Than there is all oh, there, and, and there's so many places you go into that there's there's a, a sushi bar there. Yeah. You know, you'll go into a, a, a Mexican restaurant and they got a sushi bar. Oh, there. Sushi yeah, bar. I, I'm not a big fan of the Asian restaurants that mix sushi with Chinese since that's like mixing uh, New York Jewish and Bolivian. I mean, they have nothing <laughs> yeah. to do with each other, but that's OK. Maybe a soup. Right. Ah, good good matzo balls are hard to find. Hey, New York City. Now, actually, Hobby's Deli in Newark. Oh, yeah? Hobby's so in Newark good. is one of the oldest delis in America. It's on everyone's top ten list. I, I was taken there for the first time by the owner of a bagel company. I was going to interview for my book who insisted we meet at Hobby's. And, man, that was good. Really? really good. Wow. I mean, it's a real place. This place has Kishka. It's okay. Yeah, it's across from wherever the ice, the the, the hockey rink is in the Worktown. Oh, oh, Prudential it, Center. Yeah, it's yeah. it's near there. Yeah. But I mean, okay. it's it's for Micah Heaven. I mean, it's it's what a deli really ought to be. Good. Yeah, yeah. Well, David, we're gonna have to say goodbye. Because oh, so soon. Our time is up. Okay. <laughs> you are a very, very interesting man. I love everything that you had to say, and and oh, you can, how you kind can of you. cook for me anytime. I'll be right over. <laughs> Just yeah, run right over. Well, I'm 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 in Jersey. I'm in Mount Arlington. You can come up and cook for me. Oh, yeah, well, you could come down here. We're on the water. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. That's a deal. Good. I'll go. If he had to explain to his wife that he was going to your house for yeah, that wouldn't be that would be too. No, no, we like to we like to entertain. We bought this house recently because I can talk to guests from the open kitchen while oh, we're that's what, and that's great. And yeah. that's great. But I really appreciate you being on the show because so many people, you know, are really interested in food and the correct way to take care of food and what you should eat and i'm sure you but and i'm gonna get your book i'll read your book I'm gonna, please you know, by I the will. way just just so you know i'm not a purist we're going on a road trip to visit some friends in michigan and i'm already thinking about buying junk food and a big gulp and i warned my wife i said on a road trip you know you throw all the wrappers in the back Oh, okay. <laughs> that's funny yeah, get up there and get some cheese well thank you very much david and and um i'm sure the audience is going to love this show and um go to funnyminds.com you can find us so you can go to spotify right from funnyminds.com and uh, we're on all major platforms but um i'd also like to mention that two of the um, organizations that we love are on the um, the website, and it's St. Jude's Children's Hospital and 
breast cancer and we have a little donate button so everybody can go onto the donate button we have a store if you want to buy some of our crazy stuff and there if you, there's anything that you like you don't like leave us a message or somebody you'd like to see on the show leave us a message we'll be glad to answer you we answer anybody our our emails are on there so um you, you can do it we take it we yes. can take it <laughs> and, uh, david thank you it's a pleasure I'm really glad Thank you very you. much for having me. I had a good time. Wonderful. Keep cooking. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, next time I get up to Jersey to perform or do anything, I'm going to have to come find you. And uh, you know. buy his book, Taste of Americana. And I'm sorry? Your book, Taste of Americana? No, not Taste of. It's Food Americana. Food Americana. Food Americana. Buy, right. buy 10 Food copies Americana. in pennants. Buy the book on Amazon. <laughs> Okay, everybody. Everybody have a great day. Be healthy, be safe, and always smile. Bye-bye. Bye.